Welcome to Chilling with Teddy G, an authentic black channel empowering the black community and capturing the modern day black reality through investigative journalism. I'm your host, Teddy G. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me for another episode of Chilling with Teddy G, where you know here we discuss anything and everything with absolutely no sugar, no frosting, and definitely no mayonnaise. Now, go grab yourself your favorite cup of coffee, tea, or latte, whichever you prefer to drink, and then join me for the next few minutes, ladies and gentlemen, as we talk about qualified immunity, which seems to be a tool in the... Uh, law enforcement's arsenal to get away with uh, state-sanctioned murderers that are killing uh, black people and unarmed black men at an alarming rate. So, as soon as I do my dirty laundry, because you know how we got to keep it clean at the studios of Chilling with Teddy G with the Copyright Act of 1976 under Title 17, Section 107, allowances is made for the fair use for the purpose such as criticism, comment, news reporting, teaching, scholarships, and research. Fair use is permitted by the copyright statute that may otherwise be infringed. Nonprofit educational or personal use tips the balance in the favor of fair use. So let's get into this qualified immunity, which seems to be um, a tool, ladies and gentlemen, that these uh, race soldiers are using in order for them to uh, commit these state-sanctioned murderers at an alarming rate and be able to get away with them. Now, I'm not saying that's the whole reason why this this uh, doctrine was uh, ever put into place by uh, the Supreme Court. But it certainly is a tool that is being used for a lot of these race soldiers to commit these heinous crimes against Native Black Americans and, and people of uh, the melanated persuasion and get away with it. Because that's exactly what happened. It's happening. Now, to get in more in-depth about this, uh, I need to explain to some of my listeners exactly what uh, qualified immunity is because they may not understand the concept behind it. So let's have this uh, quick uh, qualified immunity in America overview and conversation so you can kind of understand what it it really is about. But this was created by the Supreme Court in 1967. This, this legal doctrine of qualified uh, immunity, it shielded government uh, officials um, from being sued, even if they violated uh, someone's constitutional rights, as long as they are not uh, violating what the court calls clearly established law. Now, that 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 covers a wide range of uh, uh, of incidents because, ladies and gentlemen, it seems that uh, in most cases, uh, actually ninety nine point nine percent of the time, that uh, law enforcement officers uh, commit these uh, heinous and uh, atrocities against uh, Native Black Americans, they get away with it, and due to this uh, qualified immunity, now it's supposed to. Um, uh, um, 
is supposed to uh, uh, protect police and other uh, officials uh, from being held accountable for uh, what critics say uh, doing their job under this uh, doctrine has made them uh, innocent. Now, with that being said, we're going to hear from two experts, or at least they say experts, who's a, who uh, know about qualified immunity. One of them is the uh, UCLA uh, law professor, Joanne uh, Swartz, and the uh, Fairfax uh, County uh, Police Auditor, uh, Richard uh, Scott. They're going to discuss the pros and the cons and and, um, and give you uh, 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 policy beliefs um, on disqualified uh, immunity in the criminal justice system. So let's get right into that. And then uh, hopefully this will shed some light for you guys on exactly uh, what qualified immunity is what it means, and the pros and cons behind it. Qualified immunity is a doctrine that was created by the United States Supreme Court in 1967. The doctrine shields government officials from liability for damages claims, even if they violated the Constitution, if they've not violated what the Supreme Court calls clearly established law. When the Supreme Court created qualified immunity. It did so in the terms of the court to protect from liability all but the plainly incompetent or those who knowingly violate someone's rights. There's an ongoing vigorous debate about whether qualified immunity is important for police officers to have. The Supreme Court in the early 2000s decided a case in which they held that lower courts deciding whether an officer was entitled to qualified immunity had to do two things. One is that there needs to be a constitutional violation. Do the actions of this officer violate a constitutional right? Yes or no? That officer may still be entitled to qualified immunity by virtue of the second inquiry which is whether or not that right had been clearly established at the time of this now decided upon violation. There needs to be a prior court case holding the conduct unconstitutional, sufficiently similar in factual terms to the case before the court that the factual circumstances of that case would inform the defendant that the conduct was unconstitutional. If the answer to that question is no, I would give that officer qualified immunity but at least now we know moving forward, if somebody does something like this again, it has been clearly established. The Supreme Court explained that that process would help clearly establish the law in the future and give guidance to police officers and police departments about the contours of the Constitution. In 2009, the court said that it was unnecessary for lower courts when deciding qualified immunity motions to answer the first question. And that decision has allowed subsequent courts and the Supreme Court regularly to grant qualified immunity, holding that the law was not clearly established without ruling on the underlying constitutional claim. 
meaning that the constitutional claim regarding that case remains undefined, and it becomes increasingly hard to clearly establish the law and get past the hurdle of qualified immunity. In the courts around the country, there is a great deal of confusion about what clearly established law means. Can only the Supreme Court clearly establish the law? The Supreme Court recently said that they assumed arguendo that decisions other than those by the Supreme Court could clearly establish the law, but they've never come out and said clearly which courts can clearly establish the law. It's important for officers to have qualified immunity so that they can perform the discretionary functions of their job without fear of liability. I have talked to many individuals who have told me that in certain situations they knew and recognized that they were entitled to use force and they told me that one of the things that prevented them from doing so was the fear of being sued after the fact. That's a dangerous situation. Law enforcement officers must be able to do their job, including using deadly force if it's appropriate, without that fear of liability hanging over their head. When I studied the frequency with which police officers contribute to settlements and judgments and lawsuits brought against them, I found that cities and counties that employ those officers pay more than 99% of the dollars in those cases. So the financial justification for qualified immunity as a shield against the financial burdens of litigation is simply untrue. The Supreme Court should reconsider qualified immunity doctrine because, as Justice Sotomayor has explained, it renders the protections of the Fourth Amendment hollow. When the Supreme Court grants qualified immunity to officers who shoot people without justification, who shoot people against the orders of their supervisors to stand down, it sends a message to officers and to society as a whole that officers can shoot first and think later. Qualified immunity is not meant to put a roadblock to the courthouse for legitimate plaintiffs who have suffered a violation at the hands of law enforcement. If a law enforcement officer did nothing that constituted a knowing violation or would satisfy a plainly incompetence or almost a gross incompetence level of of misconduct, that person should not, that person being the law enforcement officer, should not have to defend what he or she did in the courtroom. Now, with all of that being said, ladies and gentlemen, uh, see, the, that, that plays into a part for me for, for privileged individuals, for uh, Mzungus, all of that rigor remote that you just heard. Because um, you got to remember back in the uh, in the uh, uh, 60s and, and so forth and so on, when this uh, doctrine was first introduced, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we was dealing with segregation and we was dealing with racism and we was dealing with discrimination as we still are today. And this, these qualified immunities are, 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 are giving these uh, um, uh, race soldiers in all parts of law enforcement um, carte blanche to do what they want to do to uh, um, black people. Uh, plain and simple. Now, and I'm sure y'all all know this, at least, uh, at least my critical thinking and, and uh, uh, 
logical thinking individuals know this. This is the practice that has been going on for uh, for years. And it's still happening out today. Now, some people may say that was the reason why they uh, hurried up with this uh, this uh, uh, George Floyd payout of $27 million. That's why they a lot of them are saying it was timely and that uh, it should be done before uh, 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 Derek Chauvin goes to trial. Now, and the same thing that, that happened... Uh, in the Breonna Taylor case where, where uh, she got, uh, where that family got paid out. And as you notice, ladies and gentlemen, qualified immunity saved them officers where they were not on trial for uh, the death of Breonna Taylor. The same thing goes for uh, Tamir Rice in Cleveland, a little uh, young boy uh, who was uh, shot and killed within three seconds of the police officers getting out of his car. Were just this month? No. Uh, last month, where uh, they finally said that uh, uh, we're not going to file any charges against these police officers and that they were right and qualified immunity is uh, going to protect them. Now, and you know, that had been going on through all the way from back uh, uh, during uh, Obama's administration. You know, and right before uh, um, the uh, Trump administration got out of office, that's when uh, a decision was finally made on the, we're not going to charge these guys in the death of uh, Tamir Rice. And you got to remember, uh, um, the officer uh, got off with qualified immunity who uh, strangled uh, Eric Gardner to death. So, this, this, to, to, in my opinion, this is nothing more, ladies and gentlemen, than a tool that they're using, and, and only in black situations. Well, I ain't going to say only in black situations, but mostly in black situations, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, this is when, this is why this tool is so useful to these, uh, these race soldiers. In my opinion. In Teddy G's opinion. Now let's let's go into this uh, qualified immunity a little deeper. So now, uh, qualified immunity wasn't actually established for uh, law enforcement. They just grabbed hold of it because they're in technically they're government workers, whether it's um uh uh. uh city, state, or federal. As long as you're in any part of the government, you are uh, shielded under this uh, qualified immunity. Now, so y'all can see what that means. Now, qualified immunity is a, is a special um, protection for, for government workers that the Supreme Court uh, created as an act of uh, um, uh, judicial uh, policy making. Now, if y'all remember the uh, the case of uh, Harlow and Fitzgerald, which didn't involve any police, was uh, brought by a whistleblower who wanted to uh, sue the uh, um, Nixon White House aide for punishing him because he spoke out uh, against the uh, Pentagon's weapons program. Now, in Harlow, the, the um, Supreme Court made all government workers immune uh, from constitutional liabilities 
by default. You hear that? That means any government official on whatever level has uh, automatically been uh, is covered under uh, uh, qualified immunity simply by default because of that right there. Now, knowing that being under this qualified immunity, government workers can only be held accountable for violating uh, someone's right. If it, if it, if a court has uh, previously ruled that it was a clear, clearly established that uh, um, those uh, uh, perceived actions were unconstitutional. Now, now, if no such decision had ever existed um, or existed, it was, uh, uh, but, uh, um, uh, uh, was in a, another, uh, uh, um, jurisdiction, the, uh, official, uh, is immune, period. Even if the official attentionally or malicely, uh, or, uh, unreasonably violated the law or the constitution. Now, this is where we get into what with these uh, police officers and these race soldiers. So now they they taking something that was technically not initially signed to them. I mean, it was and it wasn't. Like I say, uh, it was to protect the government workers and then it just started filtering down the line and then uh, law enforcement started seeing how that they can use this to get the uh, law enforcement officers or in my... Uh, delicate way of putting these uh, uh, race soldiers a uh, ways of uh, committing the acts that they uh, they want to commit these state sanctioned murders and be able to get away with it under the law of qualified immunity so law enforcement and other branches of government ladies and gentlemen they just taking this rule and they running with it because now they, this, this gives them the shield and the protection that they need to do whatever it is they want to do. Whether, whether it's actually a, um, uh, uh, an accident or, or just their malice behavior, they're not worried about it in no shape, form, or fashion because they're under that umbrella, they're protected and know that they can't uh, be uh, sued or criminally charged in most cases, not all. Now that's the whole reason why they came up with this uh, 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 this new bill that has already uh, uh, passed the house and now is sitting in the Senate, the uh, George Floyd uh, Justice and uh, Policing Act, okay? It's actually to kind of help do away with uh, qualified immunity uh, among a few other things like, like, like chokeholds and and so forth and so on. So now, now if, if this law gets passed, then it's supposed to uh, have make a law enforcement, um, or in my affectionate way, these uh, uh, race soldiers held accountable for uh, for their actions, because we know the majority of them, ladies and gentlemen, are attentional. But under that umbrella, they can get away with it. Now, uh, now, in, uh, speaking of, of, of George Floyd, um, 
will will he uh will his trial uh 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 get uh uh George Chavez off not that could be a possibility now the uh Chicago Sun Times let me tell you what they're reporting reporting on uh uh, uh David Chauvin uh, I mean uh, Derek Chauvin and uh his trial and this uh, qualified immunity uh, umbrella. Okay, now, you know what? Let me tell you people something, though. Now, all of this information that I'm giving you is, um, you have to understand, was not uh, created to uh, help, um, in my opinion, uh, Native Black Americans or anybody of a, a melanated persuasion. These these rules were were set into place, not giving us the benefit of the doubt or giving us probably any consideration whatsoever. I need for that to be understood through throughout this broadcast, because th this tool is used uh, um, against us in every shape, form, and fashion possible by these uh, race soldiers. No, nah, that's right. You heard me say it. That, that's that's Teddy G's opinion. That ain't nobody else's. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, listeners and a, a lot of other content creators who may agree with me. But that's in my opinion. Okay, so this article goes on to say that um, um, and, uh, the former uh, Minneapolis police uh, officer, uh, Derek Chauvin, is uh, scheduled to be uh, tried uh, on the uh, manslaughter and uh, murder charges in connection with the uh, May 25th death of uh, George Floyd, uh, who died while uh, uh, Chauvin kneeled on his neck for more than eight minutes, almost nine. I don't know why they just don't say nine minutes, because it was like so close to nine minutes within a few seconds. Uh, yet, whether or not uh, uh, Chauvin is uh, convicted, it is not all clear that he can be held accountable for his uh, actions that day under the uh, federal statute that authorizes lawsuits uh, against government officials who violate people's uh, constitutional rights. Now, did y'all hear that? Okay. Now, I believe, in my opinion, that was the reason why they wanted the, the swift and timely um, settlement from the uh, civil lawsuit of his death out of the way before he goes to trial because they would have had less power or probably no power at all uh, if if uh, if uh, Chauvin is uh, found not guilty for whatever reason just let that be said anyway uh, despite the uh, details of uh, Floyd's death which shocked America of all political and ethical persuasions the uh, federal uh, civil rights uh, uh, lawsuit that the family filed last July must overcome qualified immunity. Now, you hear that? That's the reason why they wanted to make sure that it got done before uh, his trial. Because otherwise, they may not have had a chance at all. And then again, uh, that can say this as well that maybe he will be convicted of uh, those criminal charges, which would have given them more 
uh, a chance and a better opportunity to seek more money if he hadn't been convicted. But I'm along with I'm I'm going along with Ben Crump and the rest of them. Why take that chance? And the city is saying the same thing too. The city attorney is saying the same thing too. Why take that chance? Both of them, they're like, you know what? Let's get this part out of the way, and then we'll deal with the um, a Chauvin uh, during the uh, a trial without that looming over uh, their heads. Now, that's just my opinion. And from what this article is saying, ladies and gentlemen, that's that's a uh, uh, pretty accurate. That's a pretty accurate statement. Now, it goes on to say that um, the widely criticized doctrine, which uh, the Supreme Court invented in 1982, bars such claims unless the uh, misconduct they alleged violated clearly established rights, which has uh, proven to be a formidable obstacle for victims of outrageous police abuse. And we all know that to be true. As the examples and receipts that I gave you earlier uh, in this episode, when it came to uh, uh, Eric Garner and Tamir Rice and Breonna Taylor and so on and so forth. Given the way that the uh, federal judge has uh, applied qualified immunity, Floyd's relative may not get their day in court unless the uh, president that cites involved a conduct very similar to Chavez. As a USCA, excuse me, as a ULCA law professor Joanne Swartz, a leading critic of the doctrine, puts it, they would have um, had to find cases in which similar, excuse me, earlier defendants uh, were found to have violated the law in precisely the same way, which would have been very difficult, in my opinion. Now, it says that after turning away a bunch of opportunities to uh, restrict or reconsider qualified immunity last year, the Supreme Court recently suggested that the defense had been read too broadly. This week, it, uh, it vindicated, listen, it vindicated a decision in which the U.S. Court of Appeals for the uh, Fifth Circuit granted qualified immunity to a correctional officer who allegedly blasted a prisoner in the face with pepper spray for no reason at all. That's right, for no reason at all. Now, while the Fifth Circuit Court agreed that uh, such unprovoked use of pepper spray would violate the uh, Eighth Amendment ban on cruel and unusual punishment is said that the issue was not beyond debate at the time of the alleged uh, assault. Then again, the Supreme Court said on Monday, according, I mean, calling the uh, lower court's attention to a 2020 case involving a prisoner named uh, Trent Michael Taylor, who was uh, confined for six days in a pair of uh, uh, Shockingly unsanitary cells. Yes, you heard me. Shockingly unsanitary cells. But yeah, ladies and gentlemen, that part right there is going on in almost every uh, major correctional institution under the bad snakes of America. See, that's right. There you have it. If you didn't know it, yes. Correctional officers are government employees and they are covered under this same umbrella. If you didn't know it, they are. Now, as the Supreme Court noted in November, the first cell was covered 
nearly floor to ceiling in feces, while the second um, cell was frigid cold and equipped with only a clogged drain in the floor to dispose of bodily waste. Uh, because uh, um, Taylor had no clothing and no bunk, he was left to sleep naked in this sewage, ladies and gentlemen. And all of this is these this these conditions, and these uh, correction officers know about it as well as the um, from the warden on down covered under this umbrella, covered under this uh, doctrine, and they are, and this is what they do to uh, to their prisoners, especially. Uh, the prisoners that are, are black or under the um, melanated uh, persuasion. This is what happens to them. Now, uh, in the case too, the Fifth uh, Circuit recognized an Eighth Amendment violation, but concluded uh, that the prison officials did not have fair warning that their uh, specific acts were unconstitutional. If you can believe that BS. Well, I need to have a drink a cup of coffee on that. I mean, uh, let me get a sip of this coffee. I can't believe that that, uh, uh, my goodness. That just goes to show you. Mm. Boy, that is an excellent cup of coffee. I got to commend myself on that. But anyway, I, I digress. Um, in the, uh, case two, uh, let me see. Yeah, I got that fair warning. Uh-huh. Where we at now? Okay, here we go. The Supreme Court disagreed, saying no reasonable uh, correctional officer could have uh, concluded that it was unconstitutionally permissible to house Taylor in such a deplorable, unsanitary conditions for such an extreme period of time. Whether or not the court followed through uh, on its apparent willingness to uh, reign its uh, quality qualified immunity, Congress could uh, abolish the uh, defense, which had no uh, statutory basis, but with a uh, few honorable exceptions, Republicans have shown little uh, inclination to do so because they don't care. And the conditions that was going on was um, done to a black man. So definitely not. Now, before I go on with this, I want to want y'all to hear about uh, 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 Colorado, who uh, um, whose laws ended the uh, qualified immunity to hold police uh, accountable. Now, the death of uh, Elijah McClain uh, was a part of uh, what pushed Colorado lawmakers to enhance uh, police accountability uh, this summer. Uh, it became the first state to end qualified immunity was Colorado. And if y'all remember why, if y'all remember um, Elijah McClain, he was simply coming home from the store and the cop said, you look suspicious. Now, this guy ain't doing nothing but got his grocery bag going home. And this cop comes up to him and tell him, you look suspicious. We're going to detain you. And with all of that going on, they they choked the guy. Pretty much choked the guy to death. Well, in my opinion, that was in conjunction with uh, um, 
uh, the paramedics who had to be called before, uh, you know, because of this chokehold. And then, uh, then the paramedics gave him a ketamine. Now, I don't know if y'all know what that is, but that's a doggone uh, uh, a horse medication, a horse tranquilizer or, or something of that nature. This is what they gave this uh, black man. And he subsequent, subsequently died. So, and they're not being held accountable. That's right. They're not being held accountable. Now, uh, or at least I'm talking about these paramedics uh, are, are not being uh, held accountable. You know what? There was a news article on that. Let me, uh, 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 um, I remember I, I saw a, um, uh, a news uh, video on, on that. I want to see if I can find that and let's uh, let's uh, uh, play that. Uh, while I'm doing this, ladies and gentlemen, y'all can go. You know what? In fact, matter of fact, while I'm doing this, I'm gonna take a a quick commercial break, and you guys can go and fill up your coffees or your lattes or whatever you're drinking. I'm gonna fill my cup back up and find this video, and then we'll be right back. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Anchor, the easy way to make a podcast. Okay, I hope y'all grabbed y'all fresh cup of coffee because I sure did. And we're going to get uh, right back into this. I found that uh, video that I wanted you to uh, hear. In the nearly seven months since the death of George Floyd, one state has passed a landmark law to hold police more accountable for excessive force. Aaron McLaughlin has our joint NBC News investigation with the Marshall Project. Elijah McLean was a 23-year-old with no criminal record. Walking home from a store in August 2019, Aurora, Colorado. Police stopped him following a call of a suspicious person wearing a ski mask. Stop. I have a right to stop you because you're being suspicious. The confrontation quickly escalates. Stop. 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 Relax. Officers used a now banned chokehold to restrain McLean. Paramedics then administered ketamine to sedate him. He was rushed to the hospital unresponsive. Days later, pronounced dead. McLean's family filed a wrongful death lawsuit against the officers who denied wrongdoing and were shielded legally from civil suits under a then law in Colorado called qualified immunity, which makes it difficult to sue police for serious misconduct. For too long, law enforcement officers have not even had to stand in front of a court or a judge and say, here's what I did and here's why I did it. Instead, they've been able to claim qualified immunity and not even have to go through that process. I think that's wrong. McLean's case and others pushed Colorado lawmakers to take drastic action to enhance police accountability. Over the summer, Colorado became the first state to end qualified immunity. It allows a jury to make the determination of whether or not there was a constitutional violation. Meaning police officers can now be held personally liable for up to $25,000 if their department determines they acted in bad faith. Police union officer Rob Pride claims the new law leaves the community less protected. It's causing officers to hesitate doing their job. We do not want them hesitating. And even leading some officers to leave the force entirely. If they have to make a split-second decision to save the life of a community member or themselves, uh, we don't want them thinking about $25,000. If that hesitancy is keeping people in our communities alive, I think it's the right thing. Officers should have to think 
before they pull the trigger. Now, with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that individual, that gentleman you just heard says he don't want the officers to think. And he put $25,000 on the end of it. He don't want them to have to think about $25,000. What we do want them to do, ladies and gentlemen, is think. Period. Before you pull that trigger. That's half the problem that we're having in the black community. Now, that just goes to tell you, if, if there's some officers who have quit and left their job, that means they can no longer do what they enjoy doing. In my opinion, being race soldiers and uh, continuing to be able to do these modern day lynchings um, without the worry of, uh, of a prosecution. That's the only reason that can make me think that the reason why you left, because surely if you are a law abiding uh, officer who actually protects and serves, I can't see you having an issue with the fact that they have removed the umbrella of uh, qualified immunity. And if you listen to them very carefully, you heard them say that they're leaving that up to the uh, discretion of a jury. Now, let me tell you what that means for black people. It means that uh, we're still stuck in this unfair, unjust judicial system, in my opinion. Because we have seen how countless of uh, individuals, including these uh, race soldiers, or y'all want to call them law enforcement officers, uh, uh, acquitted of charges that uh, uh, of wrongdoing that they have done to um, unarmed uh, black citizens. And this goes for a, a man, woman, and child. So, uh, to me, ladies and gentlemen, it doesn't mean much for the uh, uh, black community because they still have to uh, face this unfair system. But now for privileged individuals, that, that means a lot. For the Mazungus, that means a lot for them. But it doesn't mean so much for us, but... But it does mean that at least we should be able to get these uh, 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 race soldiers in front of a, uh, uh, a judge and a prosecutor. That's what it's supposed to mean. I'm going to listen to these uh, last few minutes of this. In fact, you know what? I want to play that back where that gentleman said what he did about... Uh, um, law enforcement officers and, and, and them quitting and, and, and whatnot. Because to me, that shouldn't be what's going on simply because qualified immunity is uh, taken off the table. Unless you have some other uh, reasons behind the fact that it's gone. Rob Pride claims the new law leaves the community less protected. It's causing officers to hesitate doing their job. We do not want them hesitating. And even leading some officers to leave the force entirely. If they have to make a split-second decision to save the life of a community member or themselves, uh, we don't want them thinking about $25,000. Now, what does... Now, do you hear the, 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 the BS behind that? I had to catch myself almost, uh, you know, 
made my part of this show uh, unfiltered, which you are listening to an unfiltered show, but I try to talk more intelligently than using these words of, um, of emotion. So, uh, in, a, in, in situations, ladies and gentlemen, where you have to uh, uh, use deadly force in, 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 in a true case, you won't be hesitating because you're going to see somebody's going to have a, a, a gun pointed at you or, or, or a similar situation. Somebody's going to be attacking a, a citizen with a, a knife or a gun. Most of these incidents where you have to uh, use uh, um, deadly force, you're going to know it's, it, that split-second decision is going to um, not hinder you from um, doing your professional job. You got to remember, they're supposed to be professionals. And if you're professional at what you're doing, what he's telling you right now, it, it shouldn't even matter. I'm a professional truck driver. I'm a professional machinist. And sometimes some decisions that, uh, uh, that I have to make, uh, even on the fly, um, does not hinder me from uh, being successful at my, uh, at my career and my career choices. I know that's not a, a, um, a police officer per se, but believe me, when you're out there behind that uh, wheel and those uh, 18 wheels are rolling with uh, uh, tons of uh, material and product on there, and you've got these uh, non-driving individuals out here. You got these road rage individuals out here. You got this adverse weather conditions out here. The, yeah, there is some split-second decision making that you have to do, so that you can get home to uh, get back home to your family and the motoring public as well. So yeah, there is some um, split-second decisions uh, in in my uh, careers. And I have not had the um, misfortune of uh, dying or someone else has died from my split-second decisions. Why? B because I'm a professional with professional training. And I institute those policies and those practices in order to keep myself and the motoring public safe. As well as if I'm doing any machine work. If I'm manufacturing something that will be used to, uh, uh, to in fact, help save your life. Because I've manufactured everything from um, uh, uh, models of presses that are used to, to, to press out the uh, car parts and uh, 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 refrigerators and, 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 and uh, washing machines and dryers and different things of that, as well as sensitive components like uh, airbags, which I lose, which I use to save the uh, general public's lives. I have to make sure that my job is pre precise and done correctly, because these are products that goes into your uh, um, vehicle that will save your life. So I have to be good at what I do. But anyway, I digress. But my point was just to make I uh, I don't see how a quick decision making 
would be at risk simply because qualified immunity is gone. Y'all can miss me with it. That's just a bunch of BS. That's just a bunch of crap. But anyway, let them continue. Presidency is keeping people in our communities alive. I think it's the right thing. Officers should have to think before they pull the trigger. They should. The Klan's family and activists now hoping other states will follow suit. Aaron McLaughlin, NBC News, Denver. NBC News. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, I'm going to go back to this article because I want you to hear uh, uh, some other states did follow. And it, uh, it goes on to say that Colorado exemplified a more promising strategy last June when it passed a groundbreaking law that authorized claims against police officers who violated, prote uh, protected by the uh, state's constitution. Now, they're violating rights that are protected by the uh, um, state constitution. That's just lamestream media's way of trying to tell you that they have done away with uh, qualified immunity without saying that they done done away with qualified immunity directly. But that's pretty much what that statement means. And it goes on to say that Connecticut legislators approved a similar law in August. And last year, a New Mexico House of Representatives passed an even broader bill that would cover all government officials. So not just police officers, that's going to be co covering uh, um, correction officers, uh, 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 private security who may be doing, who may be contracted by the government, uh, any uh, uh, federal government uh, institution like uh, uh, like a, a VA hospital and things of that nature. Yeah, yeah, y'all done lost this umbrella of covenants. And all that they're gonna, in my opinion, all that's gonna do, ladies and gentlemen, is make people do their job more efficiently and weed out these uh, uh, racist individuals that's holding these positions. That's what I believe. And it goes on to say that all three measures specified that defendants cannot uh, block lawsuits by claiming qualified immunity. That's what that means. To address the concerns that uh, personnel liability could have a chilling effect on um, legitimate policing, they require government agencies to cover... Um, Litigation costs and, and uh, um, damages in all or nearly all cases. Uh, states need not to wait for Congress or the Supreme Court to act. They can independently provide a remedy for citizens whose rights would otherwise be violated with this impunity. Should not have some kind of blanket immunity. When law enforcement officers break the law, they should be held accountable. To the extent that qualified immunity fosters a sense of, it's really not my problem. Let's take a look at it. Qualified immunity is a legal doctrine that was developed through court precedent rather than through congressional legislation. The purpose of qualified immunity is to protect government employees from frivolous litigation. 
However, it's become an increasingly effective shield in thousands of lawsuits that are seeking to hold cops accountable when they're accused of excessive force. When a black man is brutally beaten, his family goes to court and tries to hold the officer accountable. Now, the law is written says that the family can do that. It says that the victim of uh, civil rights abuses can do that. Congress passed an act that dates back to Reconstruction. It was called the Ku Klux Klan Act. And it says very clearly that victims of state violence, civil rights abuses have the right to hold government officials accountable. The Civil Rights Act that Congress passed in 1871 created the legal violation, really, the right to sue. Qualified immunity is something that courts invented and it says, think again. It says, we don't care about any of that. We are going to make him immune. Unless you happen to be able to point to a case that involved the same conduct and the same context uh, where a court told some other officer that it was wrong. So when granting qualified immunity, judges are looking at a kind of a two-part test. First, was there a civil rights violation? And secondly, was it clearly established? But a more recent um, Supreme Court decision in 2009 allowed judges to skip the first part of the test and only answer, was this violation clearly established as a violation? If a certain excessive force conduct is brought before the court and dismissed from qualified immunity because it wasn't established, that also prevents it from being established for future cases. The degree of specificity that the court has required of victims and their families to get any sort of uh, relief or accountability in the courts uh, is quite extraordinary. For anyone else, for anyone else, if you're talking about a doctor, you're talking about a construction worker who you want to hold accountable, showing that they violated the law. You can come into court, we'll hear you, we'll give you a trial. But when it comes to police officers, when it comes to state officials, um, don't even try that. Um, you better be able to show to show us a case where we said this specific conduct was wrong. The degree of specificity that the court has required of victims and their families to get any sort of uh, relief or accountability in the courts Uh, is quite extraordinary. There's a case that went up to the Supreme Court recently that the Supreme Court declined to hear and it involved sicking an attack dog on an individual. And in that case, there actually was a prior case. A man had already surrendered and an officer nonetheless sicked the attack dog on that man. And the court said that is a constitutional violation. And what the lawyers for the police argued in this case was, well, but in that case, the man was laying face down when he had surrendered. And in this new case, he was sitting with his arms up. And that distinction is sufficiently relevant to say that this officer should get immunity. Believe it or not, Our team of reporters read through hundreds and hundreds of lawsuits, and we found that not only is qualified immunity a very common outcome, but that it's been getting easier and easier for police to have lawsuits thrown out because of qualified immunity. And we're seeing that this is especially true in cases where the judge rules that the rights were violated, but they're still granting qualified immunity. From 2005 to 2007, We were looking at cases where um, defense raises a qualified immunity defense. And in those cases, 
there was a qualified immunity ruling that favored the police in only 44% of cases. But in the more recent years, from 2017 to 2019, the ruling on qualified immunity favored police 57%, more than half the time. And there have been a number of Supreme Court rulings in that period in between that made it much more difficult for plaintiffs to overcome qualified immunity. It's a pretty growingly controversial doctrine, even within the Supreme Court itself. For example, Sotomayor in particular has been outspoken in some of her dissents, writing, for example, in one, it's telling police that they can, quote, shoot first and think later, and it tells the public that palpably unreasonable conduct will go unpunished. This bill also removes qualified immunity for police officers. That means any police officer could be dragged into civil court by any disgruntled person they ever come in contact with. And we all agree bad cops shouldn't be able to hide behind qualified immunity. A year ago, I would have said, you know, the Supreme Court is the only audience that uh, is really paying attention here, but that's not true today. There's been a lot more attention at the congressional level in discussing what could happen to the doctrine next, whether to reform it or abolish it. The House has passed a bill that would end qualified immunity. The resolution is adopted. And it's sitting in the Senate waiting for action. Everyone would agree that Congress has the ability to say that, look, we passed the Civil Rights Act of 1871, the Ku Klux Klan Act, and we said you can sue police officers and other state officials when they violate your rights. And we meant it. We didn't write qualified immunity because we didn't intend for there to be any qualified immunity in that law. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. And now, you know, with all of that being said, I'm going to end this broadcast with this uh, final uh, audio from a retired police officer and one of the affiliates of uh, Chilling with Teddy G, uh, Sergeant Dorsey. Now, y'all don't listen to this entire broadcast, but in the very end, I want you to listen to what this retired police officer is going to have to say about qualified immunity and its effects. Joining me now from Los Angeles, retired LAPD Sergeant Cheryl Dorsey. She's the author of the book, Black and Blue, The Creation of a Social Advocate, Volume 2. So a year on now, no one's been criminally charged for Breonna Taylor's death. Uh, she's really become a, a symbol of how difficult it is to hold police accountable. Are, are you surprised by this outcome so far anyway? No, I'm not really surprised. I mean, we've grown accustomed to officers not being held accountable when they use deadly force uh, in a way that's contrary to our training. And so this is yet another example. Now, we know that one of the officers has been indicted, but it has nothing to do with the death uh, the murder of Breonna Taylor. It has to do with shooting into a dwelling of one of her neighbors. And so, um, no, I'm not surprised. So if anything positive has come out of this tragedy and, and the death of George Floyd, it, it's all the police reform legislation that's been passed or is still in the works. Uh, you know, example, the city of Louisville has, has passed uh, Breonna's law, which would ban no-knock warrants. Uh, Chicago's banned them. Other just jurisdictions are looking at it. Federally, we have the uh, George Floyd Justice in Policing Act. 
Um, it, it does a bunch of things, you know, banning chokeholds, removing uh, qualified police immunity, bans some no-knock warrants and so on. Many um, police, as well as many Republicans, say these measures would stop police from doing their jobs. Well, let me let me tell you what I know since I, I, I did that for a couple of years. And so none of this is going to stop a Derek Chauvin or um, any of his um, cohorts when they're out in uniform, because all of these things uh, have basically no teeth. I mean, there's talk of uh, ending no-knock warrants. That's a good thing. I don't say no to any of the legislation that they want to put forth, but what happens when an officer actually violates this legislation? What happens when you have an officer who's actually on that national registry, right? I'm sure the... Now, did you hear that? That's the reason why I left this for the last, because I wanted you to hear the significance behind an ex-police officer, a retired police officer, sergeant, tell you what this legislation isn't going to do. And that's if it get passed. I want to repeat that for you guys. If it get passed. Let's hear what she said again. Well, let me let me tell you what I know since I, I, I did that for a couple of years. And so none of this is going to stop a Derek Chauvin or um, any of his um, cohorts when they're... You hear that? Did you understand the significance behind what she said? Such well, a... let me let me tell you what I know since I, I, I did that for a couple of years. And so none of this is going to stop a Derek Chauvin or um, any of his um, cohorts when they're out in uniform, because all of these things uh, have basically no teeth. I mean, there's talk of uh, ending no-knock warrants. That's a good thing. I don't say no to any of the legislation that they want to put forth, but what happens when an officer actually violates this legislation? What happens when you have an officer who's actually on that national registry, right? I'm sure that Garrett Roth, uh, who shot and killed Richard Brooks, and Derek Chauvin, who uh, sat on George Floyd's neck, was on a list somewhere. And so if you don't have any real accountability, if you don't have a real consequence, what's the point in creating all of this legislation? Yeah, and that, that registry is meant to stop sort of, uh, you know, bad cops from bouncing around from, from place to place and possibly, uh, uh, you know, doing these things again. But are you, is the problem, what, that the, the police unions have too much strength, that they're getting too much support? I certainly think that the police unions have a lot of um, strength and certainly, um, you know, paying large amounts of monies into campaigns for elected officials makes one understand why some may be hesitant to put forth legislation that's contrary to what a police union may want. But here's the deal. You have a registry, you have a no um, chokehold uh, situation. And then when officers do it, what happens next? What happens when an officer like Daniel Pantaleo uses a prohibited chokehold and then we have then Commissioner James O'Neill say that wasn't a chokehold, that was an upper body seatbelt restraint. And so while qualified immunity limitations are being bantered about, I think we should also look at decertifying police officers who are accused of malfeasance. Mm. The the settlements in the, the Breonna Taylor's case, uh, the, the recent record settlement for George Floyd's death, uh, uh, family attorney Ben Crump said the, the settlement, um, quote, sends a powerful message that black lives do matter. But you wrote, you're skeptical about that settlement. You don't say, uh, you, you, you said that it won't stop the next incident and this may in fact be a precursor for a, a not guilty verdict. Why do you say that? Well, listen, we've seen large settlements since 2014 with the onset of these deadly uses of force with Eric Garner and Mike Brown and Tamir Rice and uh, 
Sam DeBose and everyone else who's lost their life at the hand of an errant police officer, first of all, is taxpayer money. So the department is not learning a lesson. You're certainly not teaching the officer a lesson because of qualified immunity. And so taxpayers shoulder the brunt of that financial civil settlement and the officers continue to live to offend again. They, in some cases, are disciplined, maybe not so much. And so what have you done to really deter that bad behavior? We're actually allowing them to pay us to kill us. Wow. That was uh, author and retired L.A. police sergeant Cheryl Dorsey demanding real accountability for police officers. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Um... It seems that these uh, legislations that they are that are put in place and the ones that they're trying to put in place may not have an effect for the uh, black community with these race soldiers that are currently on this uh, on police uh, enforcements all throughout the divided snakes of America. Uh, so, with all of that being said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to do some more research into uh, how we can actually help the uh, black community uh, ourselves. Now, I I'm in the, I appreciate what they're doing with the uh, Breonna Taylor bill and the uh, George Floyd bill and the other thing that's going on, but like Sergeant Dorsey told you, yeah, uh, this would not remove these race soldiers off of uh, these uh, law enforcement assignments that they have. And uh, enough until we can do that, then we can continue. I mean, we can pretty much guarantee that these uh, modern-day lynchings are going to uh, continue. Hopefully, some transparency and, and um, accountability will come into play. But real reform and, 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 and to really address these issues, we're simply going to have to get these um, race soldiers off of uh, law enforcement, uh, period, in order for anything to be done. And, and uh, I guess we'll be working on that next. There's so much that we still have to do, ladies and gentlemen, in order to... Uh, be able to live in this society without the uh, threat of being lynched in some modern day fashion. I want to thank y'all so much for tuning in to another episode of Chilling with Teddy G. I hope y'all truly enjoyed the show. I hope it was very informative and that you got some useful information out of it. As well as I hope you enjoyed your, your tea or your coffee or your latte like I truly did. All right. I'm going to tell you like I always do at the end of every sh show. Please continue to do your social distancing. Please continue to wear your outer gear. Please continue to take care of your immune system. The number one defense against this virus, this variance, or any other virus that's out here. I love you guys. Loving you guys is my food. Teddy G is hungry each and every single day. Until I have the grace and the honor and the pleasure of addressing you guys again, I bid each and every one of you peace. Love and soul.